Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. In the previous episode, we talked about the UN's COP26 climate summit that started last week, and I went over some of the highlights that were discussed. If you missed it, you can find that episode of the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. This week, I want to piggyback off of that episode and share more developments from the COP26 Climate Summit. Also, we have a special guest. Chandra Farley is the Black woman founder of the Good Energy Project, a movement to get Black women involved in clean energy. We'll hear from her later on. But first, let's recap what has happened this final week of COP26. Big verbal commitments have been made for billions of dollars of funding to be provided for developing nations, namely South Africa, to transition to clean energy. But in all actuality, developed nations, specifically the U.S., China, and the EU, are the biggest offenders of producing harmful greenhouse gases. So theoretically, we would be the first to transition to alternative energy sources. But we all know that's not the case. One interesting tidbit that came from COP26 this week is that the largest amount of delegate representation at the climate summit was the fossil fuel industry. According to globalwitness.org, there were at least 503 fossil fuel lobbyists in attendance at COP26. These are the people affiliated with some of the world's biggest polluting oil and gas giants who are now flooding the Glasgow conference with corporate influence. That's more delegates than any actual country. The closest was Brazil, with 479 delegates in attendance. COP26 is supposed to be a summit where nations around the world gather to address how to tackle climate change. But when the people who had a major hand in getting the world to where it is now are also there, it's almost like having your parents show up at prom. Nothing meaningful is going to happen under their watchful eyes. And that theory has indeed been confirmed. So at the conclusion of COP26, a final decision text that sums up the entire event and facilitates further discussion is supposed to be released. So in the draft document released a couple of days ago, according to Greenpeace, there is one massively lacking omission, the necessity to phase out fossil fuels. Despite the fact that experts at the International Energy Agency have made clear that there can be no new fossil fuel projects beyond those already underway this year, if we plan to deliver the goal of keeping global climate temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. So experts say, we know, 
we know that we need to stop fossil fuel projects in order to slow climate change. But even after COP26, the UN's climate summit, there is still no promise of actually making widespread uh, steps towards that goal. So as I mentioned, this is only the draft text. There's a possibility, I guess, that more can be added. But considering the fact that in the 25 years of the COP Climate Summit, not once have the world leaders identified reducing fossil fuel use as the action needed to tackle climate change. So it's unlikely that's that's going to change this year. Now, for me, it's so disheartening to hear that corruption runs so deep even to the detriment of the safety and comfort of our own home, Mother Earth. So even though the people who we've elected to make the best decisions on behalf of the planet don't seem to be doing so, it doesn't mean that things aren't getting done. There are lots of activism groups advocating for new laws to be enacted and tons of organizations developing clean energy projects. And that brings me to today's guest. Chandra Farley is a Georgia resident and the founder of The Good Energy Project, a movement to get Black women involved in clean energy. Chandra is experienced in developing community-centered strategies to advance energy equity. I'll be talking to Chandra about what exactly clean energy is, some things Georgia is doing around clean energy, and how we can all make better decisions about how we use and think about energy. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chandra. Thanks so much, Ariel. I'm super excited to be here. So I always like to start these podcasts with learning more about how you became interested in sustainable into in sustainability or environmentalism. So can you tell us your background and your story? Yeah. So I am from Gallatin, Tennessee, so that is the country. <laughs> and so I grew up in a small town uh, and just always being outside, you know, around nature. And, you know, in elementary school, me and my next door neighbor used to walk around and pick up aluminum cans in the summer because we could take them to the dump and for candy money. And my family owned a restaurant and catering business. My great grandparents had a garden. So we would use vegetables from the garden and the restaurant that wasn't called farm to table then. That just is how you got your food right out of the ground, right? So I think that I have always inherently been sustainable because I believe that black people and marginalized groups are the original conservationists, right? Like we conserved, we were efficient we were a sustainable um, out of necessity. And when there was certainly a time where I felt like I could see how that was um, being repackaged and sold back to us as something that wasn't something that we innovated and depended on. And so that's really how I um, started to move further into environmental justice and sustainability. Wow. Yeah, it. I totally agree that people of color are inherently sustainable just with, you know, having to make ends meet. You know, sustainability is very 
cost effective most times. But like you said, with them packaging it up and selling it back to us, that makes it in many ways less sustainable and more expensive. So um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. In, the, in your intro, I mentioned that you are looking to get women involved in clean energy. What exactly is clean energy? On a super basic level, clean energy is an energy source that is derived from, let's say, renewable sources. And even that is a debate, right? So clean energy is energy that we get from the sun, energy that we get from the wind, uh, energy that we get from the earth. If we are thinking about geothermal, like, you know, the energy that comes from underground. Uh, sometimes clean can include nuclear. Sometimes clean can include um, natural gas, which I really like to refer to as fracked gas. Um, and those are technically, you know, people will say nuclear is, um, has no emissions, which isn't a hundred percent true, but you know, lower emissions are gas, but we have to look at the way we get our energy. And so, um, even right now, pe some people will say clean because they include things like nuclear and gas. Um, and then there is a camp of people that specifically say renewable energy, um, because that doesn't include things that aren't pollution free, right? So nuclear might have low carbon emissions, but it's not pollution free. Mm -hmm. um, gas might burn cleaner, but it's not pollution free. You have to mine and frack in the ground, which can pollute our groundwater. Um, so the name Good Energy Project really came from trying to avoid that debate and really just thinking about, hey, look, we just want energy that's good you know, clean, safe, uh, not polluting our communities. And so that helps me pull out, I think, of that debate a little bit and really focus on getting the message across as to why we should even be paying attention to that conversation in the first place and focusing on a positive around good energy. Right. That makes sense. So I'm wondering, would we had someone on a couple of uh, weeks ago who was talking about electric cars. Would electric cars be clean energy or would it be renewable energy? Completely electric cars have to be charged, right? So it's great that an electric vehicle is using a battery, not gas. But if you are getting your power to charge your electric power from dirty coal or fracked gas, then we're back to clean energy, right? And why it's important that we have clean energy. So on the one hand, it's really wonderful that we have, that we're, the cars have lower emissions and are quote, ideally healthier, um, but the energy that's charging them could still be dirty, right? So. It's uh, lots of great reasons to, to shift to electric vehicles, but we still have to keep doing the work on the energy production side, on the utility procurement side to make sure that the energy that's charging uh, that great electric vehicle is also clean. And then there's a whole other conversation around batteries. Right. Okay. 
Um, so when it comes to, say, your household or even businesses, what does it mean to have clean energy? So I learned this from one of my former mentors. Um, the cleanest energy is the energy you don't use, right? So clean energy, good energy really starts by conserving. You know, how do we reduce? And so for homes and businesses, it's really important that we people understand that they have access to energy efficiency programs or ways to weatherize their homes. So back to how we grew up and things we take for granted, everybody remembers their grandmama or their auntie telling them to shut that door, you're letting my air out or turn that light off when you leave the room or walking through the house and seeing the towels rolled up, you know, at the bottom of the door. Those are all energy conservation measures um, that we have around us all the time that we just didn't think about that way. Um, and these are strategies now that we refer to them as insulation, you know, insulating the water heater, putting insulation in the attic, all of these things to make our homes um, not just more comfortable, um, so we're not using as much energy, but also healthier, you know, um, having healthier indoor air quality. All of those things work together um, to help our homes and our businesses not just save money, but be more healthy contributors in our communities and to the people who are in them, working in them, living in them, playing in them. Well, I guess you mentioned that when the the cleanest energy is the energy you don't use. <laughs> so for someone who is wanting to be, you know, who's concerned about clean energy, aside from not using as much, what else could they do? Yeah. So first step is just making sure you've done everything to make sure your home is as efficient, is, is efficient as possible. And you can do this. Um, there are all kinds of top 10 ways to save on energy in your home or spring cleaning ideas, but spring cleaning for energy. So all of these tips. So that's really the first step. Um, the second step, we talked about electric vehicles and whether or not you're able to purchase an electric vehicle. How are you able to cut down on your vehicle trips? Do you live in a walk walkable community? Are you able to use public transit or mass transit? Uh, I think those are two very, you know, entry level steps. In some places, um, having solar on your rooftop is a next great idea, paired with batteries, right? So, um, but in order to be ready for solar, first you want your home as, as energy efficient as possible because you want those panels on your roof to be sized exactly to what you need for your home. And uh, sometimes mistakes can be made where they're just too big. They're oversized, right? So I think that's like the next progression. Um, if everybody doesn't have access to rooftop solar for lots of reasons, you know, the cost has come down tremendously. Um, but a lot of people are going to live in places where policies don't um, support opportunities to, for financing or to cut down on the cost. So I recommend people look for uh, solar subscription programs. So even if you don't have solar on your roof or in your community, you can sign up through programs that will like 
Acadia or, you know, places that say, oh, if you buy your electricity from us, it's we're really getting that from source. So you're kind of offsetting your what may be dirty energy for for cleaner energy. So there are some programs like that around just solar subscription services. Um, those are really the key ways to do things for your home. Uh, and all of those things are also applicable to your business as well. You know, if you own a small business and you own your space, um, are you looking for building space that might be LEED certified, which is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, which is a building certification? Um, Energy Star is another building certification. And if you see those seals on a building, then you can be sure you're in a building that is operating as efficiently and as healthy as possible. And then you have to get in, you have to call your legislators and you have to call your public utility commissioners and your public service commissioners to let them know that the big, you know, energy buying that they are doing, that it's coming from solar, it's coming from wind, depending on you are. So we got to take the whole spectrum from our households to our churches and our businesses um, to the halls of power um, where the people are making the decisions. Yes. Speaking of legislative rules, um, we're both in Georgia. How does Georgia fare as far as clean energy um, laws and initiatives go? Not so good, <laughs> actually, uh, on the laws and, and regulations part. Everybody was so excited about Georgia, and we should be very excited. I was just on a um, webinar that me and a couple of our other partners pulled together with Senator uh, Reverend Warnock, um, who's awesome. been wow. a, a big champion for clean energy economy in the Senate um, and being a big voice for that here in Georgia. So that's very exciting. But here at the state mm -hmm. level, we are still very much a red state, and that definitely puts a lot of... Um, pressure and constraints on our ability to have climate positive environmental justice focused legislation. Um, we did get a couple of things through. Um, I and another partner of ours worked with Representative Kim Schofield on a 100% clean energy resolution for Georgia, uh, which was very exciting. Uh, over 60 sponsors, all Democrat, of wow. course. Um, but now we're looking into what will it look like to make that a bill next year. So that's very exciting. And the other part of the clean energy picture in Georgia from the legislative decision-making or elected decision-making perspective is the Georgia Public Service Commission. And in Georgia, our Public Service Commission is elected. And these are five elected officials um, who serve six-year terms and are elected every two years based on their district. And they decide where Georgia's energy comes from. Is it clean? Is it dirty? And they also set rates and how much we decide, how much they decide Georgia Power can charge us for it or how much Atlanta Gaslight can charge us for it. Um, so we have a big robust mix of um, energy decision-making in Georgia. And in some cases, I'm quite surprisingly and excitedly, Georgia is a top 10 state for solar. Wow. Uh, we have a lot of solar on the grid in Georgia that is utility scale. 
so you can draw you can there's some maps actually where you can point out like the solar farms and things like that across the state if you're ever driving to southwest georgia you can see them you know going both ways and that's very exciting what we don't have a lot of is the scale of solar that people like you and me can access mm-hmm. that people like you and me could have in our community or have on our churches or our neighbors homes that we could get energy from and that we could use to reduce our bills as well so a little bit of imbalance so definitely good on one side but when we're talking about good energy we want good energy to be accessible to everyone just and equitable energy has to be accessible to everyone and solar farms are great they help with lowering like carbon emissions and greenhouse gas emissions but that doesn't necessarily help Georgians who are struggling with their utility bills or just paying really high utility bills reduce that at a household level yet, but we're working on it. Gotcha. So are there any um, laws or regulations in other states that you've seen that you'd like to see in Georgia soon? Yeah, absolutely. So, I've said we a lot, and sometimes I'm talking about partners through a coalition um, that I helped grow when I was just energy director at Partnership for Southern Equity, um, and now participate in as the environmental and climate justice chair for the Georgia NAACP called the Just Energy Circle. And so this is a group of organizations and resident leaders who all come together to work on exactly the things that we are talking about. So we're looking at policies, you know, model policies and adapting them from Georgia and educating communities communities on that and organizing communities to go to the Public Service Commission and speak up. So some of the things that we have been looking at are the Virginia Clean Economy Act um, that was passed last year. Um, That's given us some great examples of the kind of model legislation we would like to see here in Georgia. New Jersey passed, um, I'm going to forget the actual name of it, maybe like Environmental Justice for All, but they it's basically a cumulative impacts bill. And cumulative impacts is about being able to look at the things that are compounding related to environmental justice. So not just something that's going to produce pollution, but what do we do about the legacy pollution, like the pollution mm-hmm. that's already there? What do we do about the air quality impacts from this power plant or, you know, these things? Um, So those are definitely two places that I will say we've been watching and trying to model model a lot of our um, proposed legislation around. Very interesting. I'm surprised to hear that Virginia is actually having some policies that we'd like to model after. Yeah, I Just know, I know right? they're Republican too, you know. Yeah. Well, they have or had, I think so, to have a Democratic governor. And you can talk to folks from Virginia and people who've been organizing for decades. Like, this just didn't happen because they got a Democratic governor. It was because all of the decades of organizing work um, that it happened, you know, over the last years that when the conditions were right. That's what we want, right? We want opportunity to meet ideal conditions. And so, you know, a a lot of advocates, um, you know, at all levels of government and at all levels of community 
um, were able to step up and be ready um, for, for that opportunity. So yeah, they have a lot of good stuff going on there. Wow. Well, that's exciting. Hopefully we're not too far behind. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want to talk about the Good Energy Project. Tell us what it is and what your plans are and how people can get involved. Absolutely. So the Good Energy Project is about just good energy. And it's funny if you hashtag good energy or if you Google good energy, it's going to be about yoga and wellness and mindfulness. And I think that is perfect because good energy should be healthy. Um, It should be regenerative uh, and it should help us create the kind of just and equitable conditions that communities that have been marginalized and suppressed by white supremacy and the legacy of slavery, who are always the ones being dumped on by pollution, which is why we call them environmental justice communities, you know, um, some crazy percentage, you know, over 60, 70% of African-Americans live within 30 miles of a coal-fired power plant. Why is that an important fact? It's about in that 30 mile radius where you begin to experience the most adverse health impacts from fossil fuel, carbon-based energy production, Uh, asthma, heart disease, all of these things that we know um, black communities, communities of color suffer from disproportionately. So when I was thinking about the Good Energy Project, because good energy is so connected to having the right policies in place, the right legislation in place, the right decision makers in place, I thought there is no more powerful voting block or voice than Black women, right? We're finally getting our due. Everybody has trust Black women, listen to Black women, resource Black women. Right. I mean, we know what we're talking about. (laughs) We are caretakers of our communities. We are in every corner of every fight. And this is a fight that um, I think is a place that we have a lot of opportunity around business and entrepreneurship. Um, The solar industry, for instance, has grown over almost 200% over you know the last decade. Only about 8% of that workforce um, is Black or African-American, and only about 20% of that is women. So there's so many opportunities around clean energy. And I think when we, the opportunity to expand what clean energy means and connect that to healthy lifestyles, to connect that to healthy communities, is really what's inspired me to start the Good Energy Project. I like it. You mentioned that there's opportunities within clean energy entrepreneurship. What types of um, uh, opportunities are you referring to? Yeah, so we can talk about a lot of the conversation around clean energy centers on jobs, and that is great. Jobs, jobs, jobs. We, you know, our communities need jobs. But we also always want to tag on 
those entrepreneurship opportunities with clean energy, economic development, if you will. Um, there are always opportunities. So we think about people like, let's say, Dahl Avant, who is a clean energy entrepreneur who started a clean tech company called Aquagenuity, which is all about water and providing the tools to communities and households to test their water. So she's collecting data um, and she's building a platform to put this information out to communities because water is life and we need to make sure we need to know what's in, there's all kinds of things in our water. Um, so that's very exciting. Um, there is also, her name is, um, gosh, I'm going to, um, community owned solar. You know, we, we talked about that where everyone isn't able to put solar on their rooftops, but there are economic development opportunities, contracting opportunities with local governments, municipalities on just being able to make the deal, right? So you may not think of being a real estate investor or a uh, project developer as a clean energy career, but if you're focused on solar development or if you're focused on you know, wind developments, wherever you are, that's a, that's a clean energy job. And so that field is um, wide open and women are making their way, you know, in, in this space because it is, it is wide open and people are starting community solar companies, women are becoming solar installers themselves, you know, working on the roofs. Um, but we do have to expand what we think of when we think about a clean energy job. And we're talking about food, you know, how are we getting our food, local food movements, that's good energy. You know, the shorter distance our food has to travel, the healthier it is. Um, so I think if we think about, you know, this whole idea of good energy, good, clean, renewable energy as something that we can't live without and impacts every aspect of our lives, then we're going to we're going to be able to find opportunity. It's in data. It's in project management. It's in sales. It's in community organizing and it's in government leadership running for office for public utility commissions and public service commissions. So the full I like to think of clean energy opportunities and the full spectrum of all kinds of jobs. Yes. So will the Good Energy Project help women of color or Black women um, find those types of clean energy uh, opportunities? Yes. I, I'm hoping that that is one of the things that we are going to be able to, to focus on. It's been, you know, you mentioned we're both here in Georgia and there is so much excitement, uh, you know, on that we're not called this morning. You know, I knew so many Black women in the chat, like, we need this, you know, we need more training for our youth, we need more training for middle aged people trying to make a career change, you know, there was all this conversation. And the ecosystem around these things can be very difficult to 
make sense of. It can be very difficult to understand. And then, then on top of that, there can be barriers to get your foot in the door, if you will. So definitely one of the things I think that the Good Energy Project will be focusing on is sort of uh, breaking down the silos and uh, knocking down those barriers. So people have a clear idea, like what is a clean energy roadmap for Georgia? What does that look like for a high school student to move into uh, a clean energy career? What does it look like for a middle-aged woman who wants to make a career pivot to move into a, a clean energy career? So I'm excited about um, looking further into you know what that looks like and focusing again on Georgia, that I, but we'll have lessons definitely for the Southern region because it's different down here, <laughs> particularly when it comes to, to clean energy um, and, and renewable energy. So definitely um, I, South is where I live. Um, south is, you know, it's, it's what I love. So looking forward to being able to go deeper on some of these things that we have like a good 50,000 foot view of, but we got to get down in the weeds a little bit more. Absolutely. Yes. And um, you mentioned a lot about community. And I, when I was reading your bio, I noticed that you have a strong emphasis on community and community organizing. So for someone who, you know, may not really know where to start, but they know they do want to make a difference in their community. What do you think would be the most effective for them? And say maybe they don't have a strong background, you know, in energy or even in too much environmental, um, you know, studies. Where do you think they could be most effective? So I love this question. And it's because I get to quote um, one of my elder elders and mentors, Dr. Mildred McLean, who's been a legacy leader in the environmental justice movement for over 40 years. And she just always says, find your justice home. Like just find a place like your company, your church, at the supermarket, someone is looking for volunteers. And even if it doesn't seem energy or environment related, it can be, you know, everybody's trying to understand recycling, which is, it's ridiculous that it's still so hard. Um, people just changing out light bulbs from the old incandescent light bulbs to LED lighting is an energy savings um, and helps with your home comfort because they burn cooler, they last longer, you don't have to run, you know, they're not, putting off heat like the old school, you know, school bug, uh, old school light bulbs used to do. Um, so I think you just have to start with finding a place where you feel like giving your time. And then, then you become a voice for how you would like to connect things. Does it connect to environment? Does it connect to energy? That's step number one is just, you know, finding that justice home, I think is really important. And I talked to, um, you know, a lot of my friends and colleagues that are organizers who don't necessarily come from the energy space. And, you know, I always say, that's great. And like, do you like to breathe air? It's like, yes. Do you like to drink water? Yes. Do you like to eat food? 
yes, you are an environmentalist, right? Like we can't live without any of those things. And that is our environment. So it's not like a really that, it doesn't have to be that mysterious, I guess is, is, is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Just start wherever you feel comfortable and, and if you see a need there, great. But if not, you can probably still find a need. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always posting, you know, if, if you're following the good energy project on Instagram or in so many people that I follow like you, like we're always posting about different organizations. And so social media is great for that aspect as well. Just start following people and seeing who they're talking about and who they're retweeting or reposting or mentioning. That's another good way to, to seek out places to get started. Yes, absolutely. So please tell everyone where they can find the Good Energy Project and also let us know if there's anything that we can do to help support your mission. Absolutely. So the Good Energy Project um, is in the launching stages. We do have a website goodenergyproject.org. So that is definitely um, a good place to start. And to your point about, or to the question and conversation we were just having about where do people begin? That is actually one of the first pages I set up on the website. And it basically says, start here. And essentially what I am doing is just reposting stories uh, one that I have posted there is actually about um, a Black women's health collective. And I always say to people that health is the gateway drug to energy. <laughs> so uh, those things are, are, are definitely connected. Um, that is a space to learn about the red, black, and green New Deal. We've heard a lot about the Green New Deal. Um, the red, black, and green New Deal is specifically focused on um, black communities. So all of those things you can learn about on goodenergyproject.org, which will link you out to a lot of great um, resources. And then on Instagram, I am at goodenergy underscore project. I'm so excited about what's in store for the Good Energy Project and all of the information that you've already shared with us. And and then oh, good. Thank I'm you. excited to see your website grow because I did take a look at it and I saw the Start Here page and just the few articles that you had on there, the links that were there did provide a lot of information with things that I didn't even know. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, so feel free to DM me you know, through um, the Good Energy Project Instagram, because I need that kind of feedback to make sure things are relevant um, and keeping it, you know, at a household community level um, to making sure that we're really trying to make this relatable to people and not something that people think is just for scientists or just for environmentalists, but for all of us. Exactly. Yes, it is for all of us. Um, speaking of, what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? It means living my best, healthiest, freest life. Uh, that's what being a sustainable brown girl means to me. It means being 
rooted in the stories and love of my great great grandmothers, my great grandmothers, my grandmothers, my mother, my family, um, putting our hands in the ground, soaking up the sun, catching a warm, cool breeze, and feeling good that those warm, cool breezes and that wonderful sun um, is powering healthier communities for us. Yes, I love that. I love that. That's so amazing. Well said. And thanks again, Chandra, for joining us today. Be sure to follow her on on Instagram. Check out the website. All the links will be uh linked in the description in the show notes. And yes, please do follow her. There's so much good information that she already has and more to come. So don't miss out. Thanks again for joining us today. It's so inspiring to know that there are ways to get involved on a local level with promoting clean energy. And of course, I love that she's making a space for and empowering Black women to also get involved in the movement. Well, that brings us to the end of this show. Thanks again to Chandra Farley for speaking with me today. Please do follow Chandra on Instagram at goodenergy underscore project and Chandra Resolves. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow me at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send me any questions, comments, or topic ideas to sustainablebrowngirl at gmail.com. You can catch up on the full episodes of the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Until next week, let's continue to make healthy choices for the health of our planet and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.